4: Hello and welcome to the weekend preview on the Athletic Football Podcast sponsored by Bet365. I'm Dan Bardell and each and every Friday myself and George Ellick will preview the best of the weekend's Premier League action alongside Bet365's Steve Freeth. On this week's show, a proper test of Arsenal's resurgence and what on earth was in those sources that Conte has banned from Spurs' training ground as Harry Kane waxing in four against San Marino and could be back on form now. Before we do get to the weekend's action, let's just pause to talk about last week's show because Steve, I believe there's been some movement since we tried to pick our England squad for the World Cup next year. I don't think it's because of us but there's been no. some movement. <laughs> Smithrow, of course is the one that's uh, that's
0: moved uh, a little bit of course into into 6 to 5 a man in form his new diet is working wonders maybe I should ditch uh, the takeaways and chocolate like him as well to produce these type of performances but he's been the main mover in the uh, in in that market Dan I mean you know you were talking last week you know England could possibly drop points and I was kind of saying don't be ridiculous. You know, so. There were 700, <laughs> the 700, no, There were seven hundred and fifty to one on George. It just it just wasn't going to happen. You,
3: Steve, you're crowing about backing a seven hundred and fifty to one on shot winner, aren't you? Now that's all you're L- doing. So
0: listen, pal. When you're in such bad form as me, you'll take any <laughs> single winner you can get. I mean, it was it was twenty two to one, guys, for a ten nil victory as well against uh, against uh, San Marino and, and England are into seven to one now to to win the World Cup. So uh, and let's hope they're joined
4: by a few more home nations as well. So uh, all good fun. Who's the favourites now? Because a few of the bigger nations are, you know, not guaranteed to be. Then I think of Italy and their their struggles. It's a
0: fascinating heat. I mean, France and Brazil are both uh, both 6-1 to one joint favourites with, with with Spain at 8. Italy out to 10, the same price as Argentina and Germany. Belgium at 12. Netherlands at 16. Portugal out to 20. So quite a competitive heat, Dan. Yeah, so long may that continue.
4: Yeah. Did you manage to get any of the the tips that I wanted putting in? Omar Richards at Bayern Munich, has he made it onto the website yet, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll move on, shall we? Okay,
0: Tr- Tr-
3: Trader said no. Did they? <laughs> Did they? Wow! Too, too, shrewd, shrewd, Dan. too shrewd. Too Too shrewd. He's absolutely
0: he everywhere. We can't get him off our screens. Tell him.
4: <laughs> tell him to go and pester somebody else. I thought that was a decent suggestion. Oh well just before we do go into the weekend previews remember you can sign up to the athletic and save 33 percent on access to the best newsroom in sports so that's just £3.33 a month for an entire year to do that just head to football footballpod first game of the weekend then is leicester versus chelsea at twelve thirty, george and What has been going wrong at Leicester so far this season? To start with, we asked The Athletic's Leicester writer Rob Tanner for his thoughts.
1: Uh, It's been a a bit of a troubled season so far for Leicester as they return after the third international break. Last time they came back, they got a morale-boosting win over Man United and this time the challenge couldn't be tougher uh, with Chelsea visiting the King Power Stadium. Uh, The reasons why it's probably been a tough uh, season for them is twofold. It could be the psychological impact of uh, a second season of being in the top four all the way to the, the bitter end and then dropping out on the final week. I mean, that has to take a psychological toll and Brendan Rodgers has been trying to lift them and get them going again for a third attempt at Champions League qualification. But I also think the the injuries that they've had over the last 18 months or so have started to catch up with this squad. Uh, not only the uh, the injuries they had last season going into this season, but the ones they've picked up this season as well. Uh, Wesley Fofana picking up that terrible uh, ankle problem against Villarreal. But those injuries start to uh, clear up now and James Justin could be back soon, which would be a boost for Fofana in the new year. Tielemans uh, picked up a knee problem uh, at Leeds, but that isn't too serious, so he should be back soon. So Rogers could have, for the first time, a clean bill of health in the uh, second half of the season, and it could really pick up for Leicester then.
4: Rob Tanner, there, absolutely ruining everything that I was going to say, George, because I was going to say about the injuries, I was going to say about the hangover, but he's beating me to it, and now it looks like I'm just copying him.
3: Yeah, we got Steve after timing a 750 to one on winner, and then we got Dan there claiming he was going to give us all the insight after we've heard it. It's absolutely outrageous. Oh, really, well, to really. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to argue with any of the points raised there. I mean, I think with the, the hangover, it's always hard to really um, quantify what that means because um, it, it's one of those things that, that flags up after a poor start. I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily buy into it massively. I think there are there are positives uh, around maybe not playing Champions League football every week. But they are obviously playing in the in, in the Europa League. Um, but I think when you look at the personnel, I mean, I was one of the people who was lauding the business um, of Leicester's over the summer. You know, Patson Dacca has obviously looked very lively when he's played in Europe. No starts yet in the Premier League. Uh, the long-term replacement probably for, for Jamie Vardy. And uh, Bubakari Samare as well, a player who I think a lot was expected of and, and you know, he's only 22 years old and he's been okay since he came in. Adam Ola Lutman, another player who's on the young side. And maybe it was a case of just getting a bit carried away with players who were brought in with long-term aspirations in mind, and it's taking them a little while to settle. There have been issues defensively, obviously. Steve's mentioned many times about Johnny Evans and his absence being being a loss. Since he's come back into the side, things haven't got much better. Um, Ryan Bertrand came in as cover at left back, and you know he's been okay. He's now out with injuries, but I, I think the injuries are the key. You know, the the Fofana injury has been the most important part of, of Leicester's defensive frailties in my book. James Justin, of course, is a long-term absentee but his return to the side both as, as a right-back and a left-back option will be massive if he can continue his form that he showed before the injury. So, And it's also just a, a classic case of the expectations of Leicester as a football club have been, uh, have been raised because Brendan Rodgers has done such a good job and because they've been consistently good so far. So it's hard to come away with any other Thought than the Leicester are not looking so good this season, and there does seem to have been a regression. And I think the form of certain players—you know—I I don't think anyone would have anticipated that Harvey Barnes and James Madison would be peripheral players this season for the most part so far, struggling to find their form. Form is is, is temporary, and, and we're going to see these guys return to some level fairly soon. But I'm I'm seeing little at the moment to suggest that Leicester are, are a side um, poised to move into where they, they had their pre-season aspirations of being a, you know, a top four challenger.
4: Kind of victims of their own success a little bit, Steve. You know, think of the wonderful facilities that they've got there, that their new training ground. There was a piece in the Athletic a couple of months ago, you know, their new training ground is something else. Rogers has done an incredible job there. He's suddenly been linked with the Manchester United job and the Manchester City job. I think there's been some, some links there for the future as, as well. So again, this feels like there's just a lot going on and it's not all quite coming together for Leicester at the moment.
0: No, I think also a factor, Dan, is the the key older players. It's probably a bit of a change in the guard, really, as we talked about. Schmeichel, who's normally great for them. He's second from bottom in the expected uh, goals prevented table. Um, you know Johnny, of course, he's, he's getting older. Johnny. Likewise, likewise, <laughs> uh, or, or no, Snave. His name's Snave, by the way. His nickname Snave, um, and Vardy as well, of course. And as George mentioned, you know these these new younger players still um, aren't getting regular game time yet, and it's a it's a natural progression for them. Um, you mentioned the top five finishes, two top five finishes. Uh, Fifth place finishes, I don't think it's bad, quite clearly. I don't think uh, a title challenge again is going to come anytime soon. They've got Silverware, FA Cup, Community Shield. I'm not sure what more Brendan Rogers can, can really do. I think clear, Leicester City are clearly a fantastic club. Brendan Rogers has clearly got a fantastic relationship behind the scenes as well with the football club as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, um, it would be tough for him to move on, of course, from Leicester, but they Twelve to one there to finish in the top four. They're eleven to four to finish in the top six. There was so much preseason. I think Leicester were quite ambitious. It felt like Leicester were going to have a real good go for the top four after the close finishes over the last two seasons. And we've seen the wet runs of the teams like West Ham and Arsenal, who are kind of filling those spaces at the moment.
3: It, it's a funny one. The the links to both Manchester clubs because. In Manchester City, you've got Pep Guardiola, who is doing a great job. Has City as title favourites, current holders of the title, and yet there's stories about suddenly emerging in the press about Brendan Rodgers being, um, you know, being, being popular amongst those making the decisions at City. And then you've got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United, where you know he's being touted as the favourite to take over. Stories linking him as meeting the Glazers, when every single bit of um, you know, correspondence out of the club is that there's no intention of sacking Solskjaer and that his long-term future is is secured. Is there any chance it's the other way around? You know, I have no idea. It's pure speculation on my part, but I wonder if it's um, maybe the other way around. Yeah, I think they're probably
4: a little bit annoyed by the emergence of, of West Ham, Leicester. That's probably mm. taken them a little bit by surprise because they now look like the the big contenders to, to break into that top four. Now, Kind of done it quite quietly. No one expected that from them this season. And, you know, they've got the Europa League as well. So if the Europa League is a distraction for Leicester, I don't think that can, Yeah, it's not really a fair thing because West Ham have got that as well. Yeah, it's going, it's going, to, going to be interesting. Look at Chelsea then. And Steve, you've got a price mm. on Chelsea breaking the clean sheet record.
0: Yeah, it's, it's quite rare that they conceded a goal. Not only conceded a goal, but conceded a goal from open play against Burnley. So I think but Burnley are playing a little bit better now, but so chelsea were out to 18 to 1 now to 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 break their own record of conceding 18 or fewer so the great mendy was uh, was beaten i think vidra was uh, was the one that put that away chelsea clearly you know peppered the Burnley goal 25 shots i think it's the most they've had without winning a premier league game at home since 2015 but worryingly i think 13 of those shots were from defenders, the likes of Chilwell, James, Rudiger, uh, Silver Christiansen, thirteen between them. And previously to this game, I think well they haven't really missed Lukaku a great deal. I think the one against uh, the one against Burnley, maybe they they probably did. The player who um, who everyone's talking about at the moment as well is a is a certain Rhys James, of course, who's uh, who's thriving for both. Both club and country, and as 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 George will know from from watching in the in the, in the championship, it's no real uh, it's no real great surprise to see him kick on. I was just amazed at the time that the Paul Cook. Was able to get hold of of, of Reece James, quite a brilliant sportsman. Cookie would often talk about in his interviews about being the best at table tennis and. and what well, are we do doing today, Johnny
4: Cookie? Yeah, we, two we, of the best. He's one of the best, you know. Bit
0: bit of Scouse hub, you know. He loves a bit of that, you know. But no, no, no. You're Cooker. right. I haven't. I haven't got. A, he doesn't know. Absolutely, hasn't got a clue who I am. You're right. Um, but but it was a 19 year old, you know, low knee at Wigan and. When I used to watch Wigan play in the Championship, you used to see a few managers walk on the pitch afterwards to go and shake hands with the referee and kind of make a, a beeline for Rhys James. So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, what are you doing next season, son? You know, big championship clubs. Why don't you come and join us next season, pal? I think he was thinking, don't worry. I'm uh, I'm going to be in the Chelsea first team in not too long. And uh, clearly a kid going places.
3: It's interesting to see how his demeanour's changed since the Wigan days. Um, I, I interviewed him. At the EFL Awards. Oh, Ar- Arka you know, George
0: now. Arca yeah, George now. Oh, he, that, Reece, he, Reece,
3: I've, yeah. He spent a time with Reese, yeah. Jamesy. I've, I've, I've interviewed <laughs> Cook, I've interviewed Cookie as well, so there you go. Uh, I mean, he was the same on the pitch at Wigan. He looked almost quite embarrassed by his ability and interviewing him. He was I mean, he was incredibly polite, but he was very, very shy and very quiet. He's not that anymore at Chelsea. You know, he's a proper character on the pitch. He's somebody who looks you know he's happy to get his foot in both um, you know in terms of, of of the game but also he's not one to to shrink in the face of adversity as well so he's he's matured massively as a seemingly as a, as a competitor but as a footballer you know he's 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 got absolutely everything in terms of technical ability his crossing is fantastic his um, physicality his ability to get up and down that right hand side his versatility being able to play on the right side of a three he could probably play center back in a four he can definitely play holding midfield as well uh, he he's an absolute gem of a player. There there aren't many better than him. Um, and I think maybe because England have had such an embarrassment of riches at right back, it took people a bit by surprise that you know. In I, I'm not suggesting he's a better player than, than Trent Alexander Arnold. and I think what Trent is the best in the world at what he does. But in terms of being an all-round right-back, um, there are very, very few better than, better than Reece he's James now. he in front of Trent Yeah,
0: I think he's definitely in front of, of, of Trent Alexander-Arnold. For the, I better say his full name. Is he? Trent, I, I think, Trent, Trent the,
3: <laughs> yeah, I think Yeah. Trent Trent. yeah. The river.
0: T-A, TAA. I think he's in front of TAA. Um, and of course, we saw him play in midfield um, as well for England uh, in midweek. And that would be uh, something that maybe Gareth Southgate could use uh, in the future as well for the country. I
4: mean, we could have played in midfield for England in midweek and they True. would have been OK. I think he's the top Premier League goal scorer for Chelsea at the moment, Rhys James, as well. He I is. He's easy.
0: second favourite to be the young player of the year as well, Dan.
3: So um, thought he like second favourite for the golden
4: boot then. It wasn't easy. <laughs> <laughs> right, then, before we move on to the next game, let's get a tip from George.
3: Yeah, Paul Tierney is the referee here. Um, he's refereed 10 games so far. This season in all competitions uh, and given out 35 yellow cards in that time but if we take out the uh, the Moldova Austria game in the World Cup which I don't think really counts here then that's boosted a little bit where there were just two so I'm looking to side with cards and looking through Bet365's uh, to be shown a card list there's one that stands out massively and that's Ben Chilwell at five to one um, to be shown a card he is going back to Leicester for the first time with fans in the stadium which is significant I I can't imagine he's going to get a overwhelmingly positive reception Um, he is facing up against some of the best ball carriers you know you think of of uh, Leicester's abilities there it's going to be Lookman and, and probably Madison who he has to take charge of for most of the game and then Harvey Barnes possibly if he swaps wings and then of course Jamie Jamie Vardy the man up top as well uh, if you're looking at fouls committed per 90 Chilwell is top for Chelsea but two fouls committed per 90 as well so the the, the data the narrative and the price all piled into one as well as a, a, a referee who's pretty happy to, to get his, um, his his yellow cards out so I think Chilwell five to one has to be the value here
4: that's a, that's a good one. I mean, he got a bad reception in uh, the cup final, didn't he? The FA Cup mm. final. There was fans in the stadium for that. And he, he scored and he got disallowed in the last minute after he celebrated wildly. So yeah, the Leicester fans, not too keen on Chile. Game two <laughs> is Liverpool v Arsenal. the tea time game. Tasty game. And failed that, and you can tell that our producer is an Arsenal fan because I've got a league table here from the 1st of September onwards, so that's eight games. We all know the season only started on the 1st of September, <laughs> and Arsenal, atop of that, after, after the last eight games, with 20 points, Chelsea, second with 19, Man City, with third. Now, I think we were all guilty. Of laughing at Arsenal quite a lot, especially myself. Not all of us before the first of, of September. I think we all had a bit of a, a bit of a titter, <laughs> I would say. But they are genuine top four contenders, I think now, Steve.
0: Yeah, big time, big time. I think the the biggest price we've been, Dan, is is twelve to one to finishing the top four. Of course, that was after their um, well documented slow start to the to the season, um, a, a lot of uh, indifferent performances. Clearly. I think the side that they put out for the Brentford game is now a hell of a lot different to the one that, that they're able to put out now. And, and while they're into 130, you know, for the top four, um, clearly with the, with the way that Manchester United are playing right now, who, who currently hold the fourth spot there in the betting, you would think that uh, that Arsenal have had a chance to be able to to break in there, you would have thought, the, the, them, West Ham. Uh, you know, even further down to Tottenham, you think, well, maybe this could be our, our season to, uh, to get in there as well. And it's, it's going to be a, a great test, you know, to, to go there and see, I mean, a lot of managers generally, I suppose when your team has been struggling, have kind of feared the, the international break, but you know, that hasn't been the case as it with, um, you know, with Arteta who's, uh, Who's, who's who's kind of thrived over the last couple of international breaks as well. They seem to be doing a load of things right, getting a load of positive press. There's a load of talk about their set pieces as well that people are talking about. Yeah, I know everyone's got a set piece coach these days, but the Arsenal one seems to be the lad from uh, ex, the ex-Manchester City set piece coach. He, he's great. So it'll be a it'll be a fascinating game at the weekend and, and, and this is one I'm really looking forward to and probably...
4: A test to see how far Arsenal have come over the last few weeks. It's one of those ones, George, where I'm looking at Arsenal's business in the summer transfer window. I don't think I was quite understanding it. But then when you see them together as an 11 on the pitch, it actually makes complete sense what they're doing. (laughs)
3: I mean it, it does and the you know often as fans we can get very caught up in in transfer feeds and, and obviously beating the market is important if you're a club who is looking to trade players but I think with Aaron Ramsdale and Ben White Arsenal were looking to sign two players who they hope will be at the club probably for for the next decade so suddenly a, a 50 million pound investment in a centre-back who they want to be the centre-back for that long um the price tag isn't necessarily so important. It doesn't matter as much what the sell-on fee possibly could be because I'm sure if Ben White has a great three years that, that fee probably wouldn't go up too much. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it. this is feels like the game to me where we're going to learn a lot about both sides because, you know, I've said on, on this show a few times how it would be unfair really to judge Arsenal too much on the results against City and Chelsea early on in the season given... The injury issues that they had, given the red card to Granite Chaker as well, um, in the City game, there's no hiding now. There's no hiding place from here. As you say, that you know they've picked up the most points in the Premier League since the beginning of September. They have their first team now available to them. They're playing against a Liverpool team who have injuries themselves, who have started the season well, um, but in the Premier League, you know they're only what they're only a point clear of Arsenal in, in the league table at the moment. So this is going to be an opportunity for Mikel Arteta. And in my book, you know, Arteta had a lot of plaudits when he first came into the, the club and he won the FA Cup. He, he had a lot of plaudits at the back end of last season. In my view, right now is probably the time where I'm viewing Arteta in the most positive light, where it feels to me like there is a, a quite clear and significant uptick in terms of their performances and the way that he's getting his team to play. The only slight caveat to that and the thing that concerns me was how Leicester were able to create chances pretty much at will in the, in that after Arsenal was so dominant in the first 20 minutes of that game how Leicester grew back into it given how Leicester's been been fairly poor this season and how important Ramsdale was to keeping them at bay um, but this is big if, if they go and beat Liverpool they'll, they'll do it on merit but if they are turned over again by one of the teams who are genuine title challengers then we've got to accept that Arsenal are going to be one of those sides who are able to extend their muscles against the, the league's weaker teams but not on a par with those um, towards the top.
4: And George making the fatal error there of looking at the gap between Arsenal and Liverpool across the whole league table. Just the eight-game table, George. Five points clear they are of Liverpool-Arsenal. We don't focus on the whole <laughs> thing. We just look at the last eight <laughs> games. If you are interested in doing more reading upon how Arsenal and Arteta have steadied the ship, James McNicholas and Dave Ornstein actually wrote a piece on The Athletic a few weeks ago. It's well worth a read. Let's look at Liverpool a little bit now, Steve. Now, there was an episode on this very podcast feed earlier in the week where we kind of looked at Klopp's future, Michael Edwards, the sporting director's departure or impending departure at the end of the season. It feels like the front three is kind of, well, Salah's not, but it feels like the front three is coming a little bit towards end at the end of their cycle. It's been a great period for Liverpool, but you do kind of get that sense that there is going to be kind of a change, you know. That change. Alex Ferguson was always always very good at building a new side. Liverpool are going to have to do that, aren't they? And Klopp, I mean Klopp, might be gone in twenty twenty four. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough
0: gig, you know. Quite quite. I know they are third favourites to win it this year at, at, at five to one, and enough you know progression since klopp's been there from what 20 you know 2015 whether you're finishing 80 you know in the first season and as a neutral i just really enjoy watching liverpool play really enjoy it. you know the the finals that he lost early on he kicked on they won the champions league they won the league i know they didn't uh defend their title fantastically well you know last season but they're back in amongst it this year as well and it's going to be a tough gig for somebody clearly you know with um the story of Klopp's future and people and, and people leaving who make key decisions at the football club as well so they are big shoes to fill I don't really have an idea of it. obviously people have talked about Steven Gerrard as well and I'm always wary of speaking about Aston Villa too much um when me and you were on because it sounds like a local radio station um but um well,
4: that's, that's what it's... we need our own show on local radio <laughs> <laughs>
0: that happens. so so where Liverpool go I don't know but there is going to be a major overhaul and um, I certainly don't have the answers and uh, I'll Have to see um, who, who does.
4: Yeah, do go back and check out that podcast from earlier on in the week because it does go into into great detail and what the future holds for Liverpool. Steve, how do you see this one playing out? Well,
0: George has mentioned referees in the in in the previous game, <laughs> and that's where I'm going to go. Would you believe talking about referees? Michael Oliver takes charge of this game. Um, he was the last referee to send off a player actually in this fixture at Anfield. Um, not a massive link there, probably naught point naught 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 one percent. But anyway, he's. Only averaging 3.33 cards per game, which is a little bit disappointing because it's below average. But I have noticed that Lacazette has been putting himself around quite a bit when he's played. He's averaging 1.55 fouls per game. He's yet to be booked this season. So I'm going to go for the 5-1 to one. Lacazette to be carded. Please, please Mr
4: Oliver... Can we have some more cards? <laughs> I'm mean, a friend, friend of The Athletic, Michael Oliver. I mean, I mean, I'm a right company man here, but there was a heartwarming piece about Michael Oliver and a young budding referee who yeah, was in I The Athletic that. earlier on in the week. I, forgive me, because I cannot remember who, who wrote that piece, but I, I, I read it. It's really, really heartwarming tale about a young referee and Michael Oliver being his hero. So could end up being Steve's hero by yeah. the end, one of, of, the end best, of the weekend. One of the best Michael Oliver, yeah, I have to yeah, say. Okay. Mikey. Steve loves (laughs) you. Ollie,
0: Ollie, to be fair. Uh, Okay, sorry. Twister,
3: Twister. Twister. We're not not talking about Ollie today. Come on. Okay, yeah. Now we'll move on (laughs) quickly.
2: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com
4: slash courtside to learn more looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard it right you can talk to a real human in customer service any time sounds like a real game changer if you ask me Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com
1: slash credit card.
4: Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that.
3: Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly.
4: Let's look then at Manchester City versus Everton, which is the Sunday 2pm game. And we're going to focus on Everton because we haven't done very much on them in these preview shows so far this season. So it says here that Benitez is stifling assist King Luca Dean's creativity. Zero goals, zero assists this season. Is that because he makes them more pragmatic, George Benitez? Is that just the Benitez way? But to stifle someone like him, who is one of their key men... Doesn't really make much sense. They're not—they're not exactly free flowing at the moment, are they?
3: No, they're not. And and part of it will be because of the change in approach. I mean, the the, the key thing is Rafa Benitez is a pragma- pragmatic manager, yes, but at the same time he's a manager who thrives with. Getting a, a target man in the box and putting the ball on his head, and and when Dominic Calvert Lewin is, is back fit again, Luca Dean will be one of the key people to, to do that. So I think it's probably a case of, of Calvert Lewin's injury. It's probably a case of of some variance as well. Um, you know, when when they have that target to aim at in the box, I'm sure Dean will be happier, and, and I'm sure part of it is form too. But but I mean, there's no denying that Luca Dean has been a very consistent source of creativity from that left-hand side for the past 3 seasons at Everton and that is stifled at the moment. They they're going through a poor run of form. Benitez starting to come under some pressure as well and and you can see why because the performances early on in the season were impressive. I mean There's been a lot, a lot has been said, you know, and we mentioned this with Leicester in terms of being the victim of of your own success. A lot has been said about, or a lot was said early in the season about how impressive it was that they'd gone out and got Damari Gray and got Andros Townsend for pittance and, and then, got them performing at a level that we probably didn't expect to see both of them uh, playing at. And, you know, looking at kind of the stats side of things to see if the, the three goals from um, each of them were overperforming their expected goals a, a little bit. You know, Damari Gray's uh, got two expected goals so far this season. he scored three. Andros Townsend's 1.9. He's got three as well. So there's a little bit of overachievement there. But I think the realistic fact is that those players were overachieving. You know, these are two guys who Demario Gray has a lot of talent and it wouldn't be a massive surprise to see him Um, build on his good start at Everton but in Townsend's point specifically this is a guy who's played a lot of Premier League football who's not particularly young who's basically we know everything there is to know about Andros and he's done this before in in patches where he's looked like a very good player and he is a very good player but to anticipate that he's going to come into Everton and maintain that level of goal scoring form is probably just unsustainable realistically these players are going to revert back to the mean and so I, I do have a slight concern that They've that Rafa Benitez and Everton have made slightly a rod for their own back here by having such a good start because suddenly people are judging their performances against what they've already done this season. Whereas when you look at the the team they're having to put out at the moment, the the bare one to eleven given the injuries they've got, it, it doesn't look like a team who should be challenging to be in the top six. Because again, because they've got injuries, you know, Cavaloon's Lewin's a massive miss, Mina's a big miss, uh, even Andre Gomez, who um, who you know I'm not a massive fan of, but plays a lot of football and is another doubt for saturday's game they're missing a lot of players and suddenly you've got richardson playing as a lone striker you've got fabian delf playing back in 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 centre midfield we had anthony gordon starting at right wing uh last time out against spurs they're 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 thin in terms of what the options they've got and the quality they've got as well so it's um it, it feels to me like everton on paper at least are basically a mid-table squad and if Rafa can can get more uh, more out of them than that then he's probably doing a pretty good job but I have a feeling he's going to be judged a little bit more harshly.
4: I'd forgotten until the last Premier League game where the Fabian Delph existed. I mean, for someone who Mm. betrayed me so heavily as an Aston Villa fan, I'd completely forgotten he was still a footballer. But I think he's made a little bit of a difference, actually. I think he's made a little bit of a difference back in their midfield. But, you know, George hits the nail on the head there, Steve. Decore, especially, is a huge, huge miss because he was a a massive part of their good start. Not just because Townsend and Gray were scoring the goals, but Decore was the heartbeat of that side. And him not being there is a massive problem for them.
0: You know, one of the players that thrive under the Benitez system, really, and the way that Rafa plays football, because possession... Their bottom three, I think, for possession this season, 41.4% possession, you know, which is, yeah, pretty low. So Decoray being a box-to-box midfielder was probably, you know, really enjoying that side of things where we've talked about Luca Dean, you know, you know, clearly not and, as we've talked about, you know, Rafa is always going to be under scrutiny. I mean, the four games that they've won this season, Southampton, Burnley, Norwich, all at home, Brighton away, they'll be expected to to win most of those games. And now they're five without a win. Four goals scored in those. I think the fixtures coming up as well are really interesting. City, Brentford, Liverpool, Arsenal, Palace, Chelsea. Um, so like we say there, you know, this is historically a fixture when David Moyes, since he's gone, they've won one game in the last 16 Against against the champions, I mean, I don't know if you remember the last game of last season. Ancelotti probably had the, his worst ever um, defeat in his career when he lost five uh, nil. Admittedly, he probably knew he was going to leave by by then as well. So I think this is a good chance for you know to Rafa to to get back on track and his Everton side. But they're a big old price to finish in the top six. And with this squad after the early season optimism, they're eight to one to finish in the top six. I think I think mid table is probably um,
4: be in and around where they'll finish uh, in this campaign. Yeah, Man City away doesn't feel like the ideal fixture for them this weekend. What's your prediction, George?
3: I mean, it's tricky to find much value here because I think City will win, but they're they're one to seven to do so, um, and they're. they're- 11 to 10 to win by by minus 2. So looking for the goal scorer markets where you know with Pep Roulette, we're never entirely sure who's going to be playing in that force nine role given they don't have a natural striker. Um but I think the likelihood is that Grealish will continue to sit out given that he was dropped for the Manchester United game given that he missed the, his uh England games due to illness. And and I have a feeling he might line up with the same system as as against Manchester United with Bernardo Silva filling that um, false nine roll with Gundogan and, and De Bruyne either side of Rodri and Foden and, and Jesus out uh, wide of the three and he is priced up as being the least likely to, to score um, out of basically all of them you've got Jesus is 21 to 20 same price as Foden De Bruyne is 6 to 5 uh, you've got Gundogan is 7 to 4 and Bernardo Silva's two to one. If if that's right, and he and he lines up and he plays that that position as he did against Manchester United he, again, obviously scoring against Manchester United as well, had a chance to open the scoring too. Um, that should be flipped. Really, he shouldn't be the least likely of that of that group to score. He should pro- probably be the most likely. So, um, so yeah, at, at two to one, bernardo to score any time in a game where City are very very short to win.
2: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone.
3: listeners we've got a very small favor to ask we want to make sure we're making the very best football podcasts out there so we need to know what you like and what we can do better we've prepared a survey over at theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk and if you complete it you'll be entered into a prize draw to win one of three 100 pound amazon shopping vouchers now we're only after the feedback from uk listeners at this stage and you can only win those amazon shopping vouchers if you live in england scotland wales or northern ireland So if that applies to you, then please head on over to theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk. That's theathleticsurvey.smsinc.co.uk.
0: Thanks.
4: Final game this week that we're going to preview is Sunday 4.30 kickoff. Spurs versus Leeds. Antonio Conte's first league home game, I think I'm correct in saying. And Oliver Skip is injured, George. So Conte's going to have to bring someone in from the cold. To play in that central midfield area who is it going to be?
3: There are three candidates really, I mean we should point out as well that Hojbjerg missed Denmark's two games due to injury uh, in the international break, there seems to be a uh, hope that um, that Hoybæk is going to be okay, that it's just a dead leg and he should be able to return for this one. But there is a possibility that that Conte is going to have to pick two of these players to, to play in his midfield three, and Dombele is the is the one that Spurs fans will want, given his ability, his ball carrying ability, given that he seems to have played, f- I mean, more good games of Premier League football than most guys who can struggle to get starts for their team uh, he's a player that I love to watch uh, Harry Winks would be the um, most like for like uh, change in for Skip somebody who keeps it very simple who he may not have the physical breaking up play capabilities of skip but he certainly is willing you know he tries to to get stuck in he tries to to, to intercept balls and, and recycle it very quickly or giovanni loselso the kind of forgotten man who was such a popular figure when he first came in at, at spurs clearly has bundles of technical ability again a player who is very willing to get stuck in is often quite rash off the ball uh, but maybe not quite as polished as, as skip himself so I think we're going to learn a lot about Conte in terms of who he chooses. Is he going to be willing to, to take the handbrake off and, and play a, a player in Ndombele or given Leeds' ability to play in transition, given their willingness to, you know, if he wants to play with Ndombele, he's going to have to hamstring um, Hojbjerg and what he can do a fair bit. Would he go for somebody like Winks who will sit in that role, uh, not be particularly mobile, stay uh, positionally sound and you know, he's somebody who's happy to, to get his body on the line if need be. So I'm intrigued to see who it'll be. I reckon it probably will be in Dembele, Um Whether that's the right call, it'll be the popular one. But whether that's the right call, given the way that Leeds uh, like to play, will be it should make it a more uh, interesting game for the neutral. That's uh, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, Conte. I remember he doesn't really take the popular view. I remember he used to leave Cesc Fabregas out a lot for Chelsea, didn't he, mm. in that total winning season when they played through at the back. Fabregas used to always really be the be the four guy. So it would be interesting to see what happens. Steve, Harry Kane was back amongst the goals on the international break. Although, as I said earlier, I think we might have been amongst the goals against San Marino. He has been woeful for Tottenham. Every time I've watched Spurs, Harry Kane is like a ghost. I can't believe what I'm saying because he's such a sensational footballer. Now, Conte's taken the tomato ketchup away, but I've got a theory that maybe he's allowed ketchup on England due to... So he's not taking a ketchup away <laughs> might not necessarily be a good thing. We don't know. We just don't know, do we? No, interesting. But... For all, and I agree
0: with you, Harry Kane. His, his, his demeanour, the way he's carried himself, it didn't look right. But I know he's only got one goal in the league. He's nearly got 20, though, in all competitions. Admittedly, a lot of those, you know, for England, but he has been scoring in in other competitions. And, and I suppose, I know they didn't have a shot on target. I think it was away at Everton. But he seemed to be playing more central, more advanced than he has been previously. Admittedly, he wasn't as advanced as Reguilon, who was who seemed to be playing... Uh, well, high up, you know, left winger, uh, basically. And it, this is such an easy narrative that when managers take over at football clubs saying, oh yeah, I'm not impressed with the fitness levels here. We'll have to we'll, we'll have to raise it a little bit. And maybe it's, it, it's a little bit of that. We'll see. You know, Conte will certainly, um, they won't be wanting for that. Also, from a betting point of view, Dan, he's it, only 16 to one to finish as the top goal scorer yet again in this division. 16 to one, he's got one goal this season. Mo Salah's got 10, right? And we're only 16 to one. We're only... I think we're a little little bit bigger about him getting 25 or more. 25 to 1, in fact. Some people will argue, well, what about the unders price? Well, he's is even money to score 50, uh, 15 or fewer. So maybe that could be the the way to go and see George's brain working it out now where the value is in the hurricane market. And and of course, he's, he knows how to score at international level uh, level as well. So he is only eight to one to finish as the top goal scorer at the 2022 World Cup as well. So clear there's goals in there. You know, he's if he hits the ground running starting this weekend, then we'll even be cutting that 16
4: to one. But it does feel to me to be on the, uh, on the short side. Yeah, just to remind you, if you put ten pound on Harry Kane to finish top goals going in the Premier League, that's ten pound that you've lost. That's gone. <laughs> so yeah, I would, I wouldn't do that. George, there's a kind of a debate around Kane and Rooney now of of who's been the better player for England. I, I think there's actually only one answer to this. But where do you stand?
3: I mean, for England, I'd say the answer's got to be Kane, um, given what has been achieved as given, with him as captain. Effectively, mm-hmm. we, we got to a um, a semi-final of a world cup with Kane winning the golden boot we got to uh the final of the euros um with kane scoring goals as well so um there seems little doubt in my mind even though i'm a, a massive wayne rooney fan i think often um, it, it is forgotten just how good he was um not not just as a goal scorer but as a as a footballer for both manchester united and england he is if it's possible in my view by by some of the um some of the masses may be underrated in terms of, of, of what rain really did in, in a football shirt possibly because uh, his ability maybe uh, waned earlier in his career no pun intended uh, than, than most um, players in that position but uh, yeah I think w- what Kane has done and what Kane will continue to do because anyone who writes kane off is is, is doing so way way too early on he's always had these spells. Often early on in the season, where he looks out of sorts. You know, I was at the Hungary game, and it was one of the worst live performances from an elite footballer that I've ever seen. You know, having, having watched Harry Kane in Russia, having watched him in uh, in the summer as well, that performance against Hungary was a player completely out of sorts against fairly poor opposition. So for him to bounce back the way he did, it doesn't matter who it's against. It doesn't matter the, the the way that he bounced back, the way that he was able to just be a completely different footballer um, will set him in, a, in much better store here and. You yeah, know, Antonio Conte has a magic touch with with strikers. Uh, it's not going to be too long before Kane starts scoring. For those who are interested in backing the the fifteen or under and even money, I mean, it it probably is the value, but um, I would be fairly concerned that um, that you're going to be looking fairly good and knowing Harry Kane. He makes hay in, in May and April. So that's always the way where he, he you know, he racks them up when, when maybe towards the end of the season when things aren't going too well.
4: Interesting. So that's one vote for Harry Kane over Wayne Rooney, I think is the conclusion I've come to from you there, George. I think just two votes because of me, because I just think, you know, what he's done in the tournaments. I don't think Roone Rooney's exceptional record for England, great player for England, but in the tournaments, I don't think he ever did it. Steve's showing me that his hand is up as well. That's three votes for Harry Kane over Rooney for England. So there you go. That absolutely settles it. No one needs to ask that question anymore. Steve, Bielsa, Leeds, Mm. still a bit of a funny one. Funny funny to watch, can't quite work them out. Is his position as as strong as it was in the summer? Because if you think Watford, Norwich, Newcastle, Watford and Villa have all changed managers. Leeds, it's a bit of a funny one because you would never trust him to stick around long term anyway, would you?
0: No, you wouldn't, but it's going to be on his terms when he leaves Leeds, yeah. surely. I mean, you can't see Leeds just like, oh, getting rid of Bielsa. I, I personally, you know, don't see that. Um, speaking to the Leeds fans that went to the Leicester game, I think there was a notice, noticeable improvement there. The balance brought to the side by Foreshaw being in. I know we talked about Foreshaw before. Um, I know it's a small squad and, you know, they were hit by injuries, of course, COVID, recovery time from COVID as well. Yeah, sure. and Phillips in midfield. Um, we're all waiting for, for for Bamford to come back as well. Dan James was a played as a nine against Leicester, so he's still is still finding his feet there. I, I think Leeds won't be in any sort of relegation trouble whatsoever. I would be more interested in backing the 7 to 2 Leeds to finish in the top half than backing Leeds to to go down or around the 5 to 1 mark. The same price as uh, the same price as Villa Dan, uh, incidentally. So you've got Norwich at there 1 to 6. Yeah, I am not mentioning Villa too much this time. Uh, Watford at 4 to 7, Newcastle at evens, Burnley at 6 to 5. And the Hipster's choice Brentford just sneaking into relegation markets now at, mm. at 7 to 2 as well. So Leeds United will be fine, in my opinion, and uh, I see them pushing towards the top half. I talked about Regulon earlier, and he had two shots in the box against, against Everton. He was the most advanced Spurs player at Goodison, 26 touches in the final third. More than Luka Dean, by the way. Uh, 16 passes received in the final third, and he's going to be flourishing under Conte. I think we know that. So I'm going to back him to score at any time
4: at a double-figure price. Steve there, trying to make sure that Harry Kane golden boot bet wasn't the worst bet on this week's podcast and he's finishing <laughs> off on, on a high. Just before we go, can I just remind you that you can sign up to The Athletic at the moment for just £3.33 a month. To take advantage of that offer, head to com slash pod. My thanks to Stevie and Georgie and, of course, all you for listening as well. Remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss a show. Mark Chapman, David Ornstein and company are back on this feed on Monday. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. Enjoy all the football and have a great weekend. The Athletic.